Welcome back to the Stuttering Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Spencer, and today is Headline Monday. This is a series that I am starting that will occur every Monday where I talk about all the headlines from Sunday. Obviously, we're talking about the NFL, so without further ado, let's get right into it. Starting off, onto a very negative note, the injury bug hit the league very, very hard, and it hit specific teams very, very hard. Let's start off with the team that got hit the hardest. That is easily the San Francisco 49ers, who lost Nick Bosa and Solomon Thomas, both top three picks, both edge rushers, to torn ACLs. They lost Raheem Moster, in my opinion, their best running back, to a mild MCL sprain. And they lost Jimmy G, their franchise quarterback, to a high ankle sprain, which he can play through. I don't think they should, but we'll get to that in a few moments starting off with their defensive line taking the hit that it did after losing to Forrest Buckner during the offseason week two you lose Nick Bosa easily who is one of your best players easily Solomon Thomas who is still young still improving still has potential you lose both of those guys week two their D-line was was their shining thing last year. Like that was their super shiny toy that no one could get past. Their D line was their trademark last season. And in a matter of one game, I think it's gone. I think their D line will still be fine. But with Nick Bosa, Solomon Thomas, both out, they already lost to Forrest Buckner. This is going to thrust Javon Kinlaw into a very... <laughs> into a very high-pressure situation, and I don't think that's what they really want. And when you look at the 49ers on the offensive side of things, last season they they ran the ball extraordinarily well. Their their rushing game was, was their trademark on offense, and they just lost Raheem Mostert, who in back-to-back weeks has had huge touchdown plays has been a spark plug, basically, for this 49ers offense, and they just lost him for a few weeks, and that sucks because I'm a big fan of Raheem Mostert. And now let's talk about their quarterback, Jimmy G, who suffered a high ankle sprain, who can play through it, but I don't think they should. I think they should sit him out for a week or two, make sure he's healthy. This this dude has suffered a decent amount of injuries before, we do not know if this can turn into anything worse. I'd sit him for at least a week. I would not play Jimmy G unless he's 100%. Point blank period. I would not play him if he's not 100%. This 49ers team took a huge hit this week, and it's really terrible. Let's move on to the Giants. Saquon Barkley, their best player, their, their offensive firepower, Torres ACL season ending injury really really just saddening to see that happen to Saquon because I'm a big fan of Saquon especially after that week one where he could go nowhere versus Pittsburgh's defense I was hoping to see him bounce back against the Bears and then he got carted off with the torn ACL I hope that this does not have long-term effects onto his career considering he is so young and Daniel Jones lost his number one weapon, and, well, he lost another weapon because because it is feared that Sterling Shepard has turf toe. 
That is their number one, number two receiver. You can debate about that. Sterling Shepard, nonetheless, though, is one of those weapons. He's one of their top weapons, and they just lost two in one week. Now Daniel Jones is put into a very weird spot. This can be a blessing in disguise for Daniel Jones if he can really take what he has now because the pressure is all on him more than it already was. Daniel Jones now, now like they don't have a running game to really bail him out. Now he's forced to improve. And he's forced to improve with Golden Tate and I don't even know who their wide receiver two is right now, so I feel kind of bad for him. But hopefully, I don't know. Daniel Jones just took a huge hit. That that Giants offense just took a huge hit. I hope if the Giants don't do well to finish out this season, which I don't think they will considering they just lost Saquon Barkley, I hope the blame does not get put on Daniel Jones and uh, Joe Judge. I really don't want it to. I want the blame to be put on the injury bug, just hitting them hard. I hope Saquon really comes back from this, plays extremely well next year, and I hope the same for Sterling Shepard as the season goes by. Moving on to the Denver Broncos. Drew Locke sprained a C joint. He'll be out for around six weeks, five, five to six weeks. And when he comes back, he won't have one of his top weapons, Cortland Sutton, tore his ACL. Drew Locke is their franchise guy. Seeing this happen to them really does suck because I like Drew Locke. I really do. And like Cortland Sutton impressed the hell out of me last year towards the end with Drew Locke. Seeing this happen to them, man, it sucks. I mean, they'll have Jeff Driscoll in for those weeks. I watched the Steelers-Broncos game. He looked fine. They should be able to pull out maybe two or three wins. I hope they do. I like this Broncos team a lot, and I hope this has no long-term effects on Drew Locke considering how young he is. Moving on to more big injuries, Christian McCaffrey, the best running back in football right now, out four to six weeks with a high ankle sprain. This is this is just a huge hit for the Panthers. This has been like that was such a shitty week. Christian McCaffrey out four to six weeks. He is easily the most versatile offensive threat in football. He's the best offensive threat in football. And now Matt Rule is really gonna have to get creative with Teddy Bridgewater in his first season coaching in the NFL. I'm happy that this was not worse for Christian McCaffrey. I'm happy he'll be back this season, but still seeing him get hurt, man, that fucking sucks. Going to the Colts, their safety Malik Hooker, their first round pick from, I think, 2017? It could it could have been 2016, but I believe that it was 2017. He tore his Achilles. He is out for the year. He was young and playing well. Now he's out for the season. And two more, trust me, the pain and misery will be over here in a second. Devontae Adams could miss a few weeks with a hamstring problem. Uh, I haven't heard much more about that. I wish I could. I'm waiting for Ian Rappaport and uh, Adam Scheffner to tweet out here, but I haven't seen anything. Hopefully, he's all good. And Tavon Young, cornerback for the Ravens, season-ending knee injury. This was a bad week for the league. This was a bad week. Like, the 49ers, one of the Super Bowl contenders, just got hit heavy. The Saquon Barkley, one of the league's I don't want to say poster child, but definitely one of the most famous players. 
just got out for the year. Christian McCaffrey, another very famous player playing for a bad team. He's, he's out for an extended period of time, and the and the Broncos, whose young core looks so promising, just took a big hit. I wish these guys the best of luck with their recovery. I really do. And, um, yeah, that's it for the injury segment. That's it for the pain and misery. Moving on to the Cowboys' insane comeback. They were down 20-0 to at the start of the second quarter, and they were down 39-24 to with 5 minutes and 30 seconds left. So how did this happen? Let's talk about it. Was this more the Cowboys' offense going insane, or was this the Falcons just dropping the ball, literally and figuratively? Because literally, Julio Jones dropped a touchdown reception during a wildcat play where I forgot who was throwing the ball. I really do forget. It was one of their receivers. He bombed it deep to Julio on third down. He had the ball in his hands, and he dropped it. That was huge. The Falcons also fucked up by going for two, an unnecessary two-point attempt during the second quarter. Really just unnecessary. You're up by 16 at the time. There was no reason to do it. There really wasn't any reason. And then to cap it all off, I don't know who the hell that was during the onside kick that kind of just looked at the ball, but that was terrible. Like he like there are like three Falcons dudes just standing around waiting for it to get to the 10 yard line and then wait for a few seconds and then jump on it. I don't know who recovered that ball for the Cowboys side, but that Cowboys player deserves the game ball. He saved that team. He played that onside kick so beautifully. The way he just followed it so close, that was great on his part. So we talked about how the Falcons fucked up on multiple times. Let's talk about the Cowboys offense because they proved a lot. Dak Prescott proved a lot. He had one of those games where he hooped. He had one of those games where aside from the first quarter, he looked like a $40 million quarterback. If you watched it, you can even watch the highlights. During those last two, three quarters, especially during the fourth quarter, he looked like a $40 million quarterback. I fully get that the Falcons secondary is not that good. They do not have a great secondary. And the Cowboys have an insane plethora of weapons. And Dak used them all. 450 yards with four total touchdowns. Three being rushing touchdowns. If you had this guy in fantasy... You're fucking lucky. You you are insanely lucky. But during that fourth quarter, there was no stopping the passing game. Dak was putting the ball where he needed to every time. He made huge throws. I forgot that tight end's name. I fuck, it's 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 the white kid. I forgot his name. But he made that sideline grab. That was huge. Dak made the deep bomb to Amari Cooper, which he almost overthrew. He came so close to overthrowing that ball. That was a great catch by Cooper. And the most impressive one to me was easily that Michael Gallup catch. I don't know how he stayed in bounds. I don't know if that was luck or not. But I thought that he was out of bounds with the ref too. But turns out he wasn't. He made an incredible play. 
the Cowboys made an incredible comeback. That was that was fucking awesome. If if Dak gets a big contract and he stays with the Cowboys for the rest of his career, that will be a trademark game for him. That that will be one of those games where people look back and say, "Damn, Dak really did that, huh?" Because he really did that shit. He really did that. 450 yards, four total touchdowns, at least threw for 200 yards during that fourth quarter alone. Alone. They they were down 39 to 24 with five minutes left. And he come and he came back and won that game. Dak, you looked like a $40 million man that that fourth quarter. It's just sad he cannot play like fourth quarter versus the Falcons deck every game because if he could, he would get he 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 would get the money that he wants. So this begs the question: Was it the Cowboys' offense or was it the Falcons just getting too confident? I think this was more of the Falcons dropping the ball. I know I just praised Dak for a few minutes there because he played incredible, but. Y- but you don't go up 15 points in the fourth quarter with five minutes left without fucking something up. I don't think, like, no matter how great Dak played during the fourth, no matter how great that receiving core played, the Falcons fucked it up. That onside kick, they fucked it up. Who, who, Julio Jones dropped the touchdown. He fucked it up. They went for the two-point conversion during the second. They fucked it up. If if any of those three things were successful for the Falcons, if they were to gotten the two-point conversion, if they would have gotten the two-point conversion or just kicked the PAT, they then they would have won or the game would have been sent to overtime. If Julio would have caught that ball, they win the game. If they would have gotten the onside kick, they win the game. I think that the Cowboys played incredible, but I think it comes down to the Falcons fucking up on three separate occasions and allowed the Cowboys to come back, allowed them to gain momentum in Dallas. I think that the Falcons fucked this one up. I can I saw the Falcons go up 29-10. I thought, yep, this is this is the game where Matt Ryan says, Hey guys, I'm I'm I am not something to play around with. I thought this was the game for them, and it clearly wasn't. Moving forward, we're going to talk about the Seahawks versus Patriots game, where Seattle won in a thrilling Sunday night matchup. And this game boiled down to, to me, Cam Newton versus Russell Wilson. Cam Newton in a Patriots jersey. Proved that the Patriots are not a joke this season. Cam Newton is not a joke this season. Cam is back. The Patriots, well, they never really left, but they're still there. After losing Tom Brady, they're still there. The fact is that this game, Russell Wilson had one of his best games. Russell Wilson is a top two quarterback in this league, and this game helped prove it. Threw for five touchdowns on the Patriots secondary that has Defensive Player of the Year, Stephon Gilmore, both of the McCordy twins, and J.C. Jackson. Five touchdowns on 75%. Russell Wilson played incredible. The, the throws he was making 
were beautiful. And that whole time, Cam Newton and the New England Patriots were still in the game. They were still in the game. And Cam Newton threw the ball 44 times, and it worked. They were in the game. They put up 30 points with Cam Newton throwing the ball 44 fucking times. Cam Newton is a great rushing quarterback. He ran the ball a lot last week versus Miami. My thought was, after seeing last week, was, okay, they're going to use him a lot for running the ball, and they're never going to throw the ball with him more than 40 times. Immediately, I was proven wrong. Immediately. And in the clutch, where Cam Newton had to drive down the field when they were down five to win the game, when he needed to drive down the field by by throwing the ball, he, he did exactly that. Cam Newton throwing the ball was extremely clutch on that last drive. The way he drove down the field against a good defense was remarkable. Now, since we talked about that last drive, let's talk about that last play. I believe twice in that game. I do not have the stats in front of me. I wish I did. Twice, maybe three times that game, at at the goal line, ran the ball in for two touchdowns, two or three touchdowns, using the same play. They would be in shotgun, with a running back behind him, and a fullback or tight end would motion in front to the left. And every time, Cam would snap the ball and run to the left. And the play worked. Every time. So, so of course, at the end of the game, they're on the they have the ball at the one or two. They have that formation. I see the tight end or fullback, you know. Scurry over to the left. I see him motion. I'm thinking, oh shit, they're running this same play. It's a good call. Cam Newton snaps snaps the ball and immediately, like four offensive linemen just collapse. And every Seattle player, it seemed like, was in the backfield. Cam had no chance of putting that thing in. And I really wanted to see him score. I really wanted to see the Patriots win. Seattle's defense came through in the clutch. In the clutchest moment where they had just given Cam however many yards by throwing. This this play had worked multiple times throughout this game. It did not work in the clutch. I was hoping he would have scored. I I was really, really hoping that Cam Newton was going to punch that thing in went against one of Russell Wilson's best games. And Bill Belichick would have gone up to the podium and said his little fucking three words and gotten the hell up out of there. I I was hoping to see that. But the Seattle Seahawks defensive line, which is not very good, pummeled the Patriots, got, got to the backfield, and gave Cam no choice. Seattle won this thriller of a game Let's talk about what this game means for the Patriots moving forward. The The Patriots offense looked great, and Cam Newton looked great. He was in a genuine quarterback battle with Russell Wilson. The, the Patriots are here, and they're going to stay here. I thought the Bills are going to win at division pretty easily going into this season. I don't think that's the case anymore. The, the Patriots are going to give them a run for their money, and with the playoffs expanding to seven teams, 
Jesus, they're they're probably going to make the playoffs, which is insane to me that I'm saying this after they lost. The the Patriots impressed me a lot this week, and um Seattle obviously Seattle did their thing. Russell Wilson did their thing. The Seahawks continue to be Super Bowl contenders. What a game! That was a great Sunday night game. What that game meant is that the Patriots are here and they're not leaving. And Seattle, they're not leaving. They are a legit Super Bowl contender, and the Patriots are a legit playoff threat. I did not think the I did not think the Patriots were going into this season. Cam Newton impressed the hell out of me with with this game. He really did. Moving on to another recurring segment that I would like to do, and that is the rookie QB checkup. This is, I talk about the rookie QBs and how they played. Sim- as simple as that. We only had two, and those two were Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow. Let's start off with Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow on Thursday night was forced to throw the ball 61 times, which is not good for any quarterback, especially a rookie quarterback. I, I never want to see my quarterback throw the ball 61 times. Never. I do not want to see that shit ever, especially a rookie in his second game. But Joe Burrow threw threw the ball 61 times against a good secondary. You know, the Browns have an okay secondary. They have Denzel Ward back there. And he did not throw an interception. He had three touchdowns, no interceptions on 60% on 60% completion. That's really good. Joe Burrow, in his second game, only days after the heartbreaking loss against the Chargers, throws the ball 61 times because, oh my gosh, because Joe Mixon was not getting it done and does not throw an interception. He throws three touchdowns, 300-plus yards on 60% on 60% completion. Joe Burrow is the real deal. I, I understand that they lost. I understand that full well. I understand that they got that garbage time touchdown with like 30 seconds left. I get that. But 61 throws without an interception is super impressive. Only days after they just lost, I give Joe Burrow a ton of respect. Joe Burrow is the real deal for Cincinnati, and I really do hope that he gets some wins soon because I want this kid to succeed. I really do. Moving on to the second quarterback, Justin Herbert. No one thought he was going to start. It turns out Tyrod Taylor was having some like chest breathing problems before the games. So I hope that he's healthy there. That's some that's some big time shit. I hope he's okay. So Justin Herbert was thrusted into the starting spot against Patrick Mahomes of all people in the newly built beautiful SoFi Stadium. And he played very well. He had a bunch of small, little easy throws, like up the middle, open passes to a tight end or, or like one of their running backs. But when he threw it downfield, most of the time, it was a good throw. Like, like when he threw it downfield, except for the one pick, that one throw that was just terrible, that I'm just going to say was a rookie mistake, when he could have easily just ran for the first down, but instead he bombed it downfield for no real reason and got an interception. Yeah, no, that throw was terrible. But except for that throw, when he threw it downfield, it looked good. It looked like he has a really good arm, 
And what impressed me the most with Justin Herbert this game is his mobility. Like it easily has to be his mobility. On the first drive of this game, on the first drive of his young career, rushing touchdown where he took a big hit too. But that was a great decision just to run that ball in. And he only took one bad sack throughout this game when, I mean, last Thursday night, we saw Chris Jones and Frank Clark torment Deshaun Watson, absolutely torture him. And now we see Justin Herbert and his first start showing great mobility. Like the only gripes I have against it was just was just when he took the one bad sack. But that happens to every quarterback. But the one rushing play that really impressed me, he didn't even get the third down. It was a crucial third down. And he got backed up maybe five, ten yards, and he just started and he just started booking it for the first down and he got boomed right before he got it. I respect that ability to just I'm gonna run for that shit. And I'm gonna try to get it. I'm gonna go I'm gonna run my ass off and hope that I get it. He is not afraid to take hits. He has great mobility and his arm looked good. Justin Herbert, this this kid is really good. He looked great when he was in the pocket. He looked great kind of running around, just, just using his mobility. If he can just touch up on his deep ball and touch up on just his overall decision-making, this kid will be very good. Now, okay, so Anthony Lynn did come out and say that if Tyrod Taylor is 100%, then he'll be the starter, which I don't agree with. I mean... Really? Do you think you have a better chance winning with Tyrod Taylor than Justin Herbert? And like, even if you do, it's not by a big enough margin to not let Justin Herbert just grow and develop. I really don't think that it is. I think that's kind of dumb. But for the rookie QB checkup, both Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert look like franchise guys, and they look like they're going to be on their respective teams for a very long time. And I hope that they do. I get it's very early. But I hope that they do have very successful careers. Justin Herbert played very well, and so did Joe Burrow. That is going to do it for Headline Monday. I hope you guys enjoyed. I hope you guys have a great day. And I I plan on doing these every Monday. I plan on doing Fantasy Tuesday, where I talk about Week 3 matchups and who to pick up for the waiver wire and potential trade targets. And on Wednesday, I plan on doing predictions for the next week. So I hope that you enjoyed. I hope that you're going to stick around as I try these new things. So, yeah, have a great day.